0: Hello, hello Fort Worth. Welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. We are a show about local politics that aims to get more people engaged into local issues. Thank you for listening. This this episode today is literally why we are here. Um, My name is Anthony Sosa and I've got got an interesting episode for you guys today. This is going to be the first one that we've done that I'm going to be doing it solo. So I'm going to try and keep it relatively short, um, unfortunately, due to illness and due to timelines. And Amber and I are in the process of moving right now. Scheduling this week's episode has been difficult. So uh, however, we, I didn't want to you know, not get it out on time. This is an important election. We're already halfway through early voting. Um, this should be coming out on February 21st. There will be one more week of early voting before the primaries on March 1st. So, without further ado, I'm just going to kind of get right into it. Uh, rather than having like a separate introduction, we, uh, in the link below in the show notes, as normal, uh, we're going to provide information to where we're getting all of this stuff. But these episodes, if you are new to the show, uh, what we did uh, every election cycle last year, both in the spring and in the fall, we try to go make a spreadsheet and go down the list, essentially, of the candidates that are running for specific offices, kind of a brief rundown of what those offices are or do, and then the people who are running in it. Now, because this is a primary, there's a there's a lot of candidates on this ballot. If uh, And for any listeners out there who maybe don't know what a primary is, essentially, it is the first round of elections. It is these elections that have historically a lower turnout, than the general elections that take place in November or for us here in Fort Worth in May. Um, And so when we often complain about, hey, you know, we've only got these two crappy options and I don't like either of these options, uh, very often the reason for that is because we ended up with these two crappy options because these people are the ones who won the primaries. And oftentimes there are some pretty good options that are running during the primaries. It's just difficult for those people to actually you know, win their primary spot and become the main candidate for the main election. So I encourage you, every listener out there, if you are registered to vote, if you have not voted already, please vote sometime this week if you're listening to this episode at the end of February or at the very latest on March 1st, because it is very important that you get your voice heard in regards to selecting a good candidate for the real election. So now that I've said all this, I'm going to try to do my best to very quickly uh, go down the list. I implore you to open up the link go ahead and do it right now just open up the show notes look down below there's a spreadsheet it's titled public 2022 primaries tarrant county and in this spreadsheet we've essentially divided it up by office on the left hand side are the democratic candidates on the right hand side are the republican candidates and just by the way uh, again if you're new to the show we don't really spend a lot of time on the republican side of things we are a left-leaning podcast we are a progressive podcast. Those are the issues that we care about. So uh, if you listen to last episode, which was a rebroadcast of the Texas Republican Party platform, uh, if you just check out that platform or go back and listen to that episode, um, it's pretty bonkers and crazy and and uh, insane. I don't know. It's, it's, it's bad. It's a bad platform. Uh, and this is obviously my opinion, but go check it out and see for yourself. The link for that show is, is in the show notes for that. You can pull up the platform yourself and just go through it it's um it's pretty appalling so based on just that we can assume that any of these people running on the republican primary are not people that us on this show are going to be interested in promoting however for some of the higher profile names on that list we did give a brief description kind of off to the right hand side but this episode in this list is going to be focusing on the democratic candidates now one more thing that i want to say before i just go into the list um is that in theory, it would be nice um, if things actually work this way to where we didn't have to just vote along party lines. Uh, I, us and uh, me obviously, but us in the podcast in general, aren't really about, you know, putting party over ideas. We are a issues based organization and we very much care about the issues that people are running on. Uh, and if things were a little different in Texas and maybe one day it will be this way, we can get more nuanced than just the party, you know, perspective. Just the Democrats' perspective. Just the Republican perspective. But currently, the way things are set up, like it's the Democrats are just going to have a better, uh, be a better option in most cases. Even if these are moderate Democrats or Democrat Blue Dog Democrats, as we would have called them maybe ten years ago, um, you know, people who aren't going to really be pushing forward for progress and real change, but more status quo, more of the same. Um, There are a lot of Democrats on this list that we're going to go over today that kind of fit that bill. However, I'll be honest, like I am actually surprised at how many progressive candidates I'm seeing running in this primary. There's actually some promising ones, and there's a couple of races where there's multiple progressives running against each other, which, to be honest, like we haven't really seen that yet here in our Tarrant County or at the state level. Like it's pretty much been, you know, your standard. If you got three or four or five people running for a spot, you've got your standard you know, candidates, your standard, uh, you know, uh, establishment Democrats, and maybe like one Jessica Cisneros, for instance, like one progressive candidate. Um, but we're seeing more of that now. So I hope this trend continues, especially as we get into the next the, the oncoming election cycles. I hope the progressive, you know, agenda, Medicare for all, uh, is picked up by more and more people as these ideas become more appealing and more, you know, possible to the American audience more candidates will pick up those ideas because they think it's going to help them win. And we're seeing that here. Like there's a lot of candidates that are supporting Medicare for all, for instance, or supporting the legalization of marijuana, for instance. Uh, And we're seeing a lot more of that, even though maybe the rest of their platform is pretty spare the fair, pretty standard establishment. They're they're actually appealing to at the very least, you know, um, the expansion of Medicare, for instance. So, okay, I'm kind of already, you know, prefacing a bunch of prefacing, a bunch of prefacing. So we're just going to go ahead and start now. Uh, the way this list goes we've divided everything into the tarrant county offices that are that are having primaries and then below that we have some national races national offices and then below that we have the state of texas offices so and for all of the offices that people are running unopposed um we didn't spend any time covering that information so between the four of us we're kind of volunteering uh trying to trying to get this spreadsheet together so we don't have too much free time, unfortunately, to just spend researching forever. So we we're having to use our time wisely. We really only researched people that were primarying against each other, essentially. If they were unopposed, then we'll cover them in the in the real election for either either in May or November. So first is the county judge. The county judge, and we've already kind of talked about these candidates two episodes ago. Um, this is your Deborah Peoples versus your. Um, uh betsy price you know we've we've seen this race before uh running for mayor you know uh, multiple times over the past few election cycles here in the city of Fort Worth. now betsy price is running for county judge and she's the front runner she's the big name there's multiple republicans that are going to be primary uh, alongside her against her as well but on the democratic side we've only got two people we've got deborah peoples and marvin sutton And just to clarify once more, uh, this is in this sheet as well. For every office, we have a little info blurb about what they do. The county judge is essentially the mayor of the county, if you want to look at it that way. They're the uh, executive office, essentially. They're the fifth vote, the final vote on the the, uh, county commissioner's court. So it is a very powerful position. You could argue more powerful than the mayor of Fort Worth because there's more people in Tarrant County than there are people in Fort Worth. So Marvin uh, has a, a little bit of information about him. His website seemed to be pretty sparse, actually, compared to some of the candidates on this list. And his issues were taxes, jobs, and health. And he, you know, elaborates a little bit, but not very much on that. So we've actually like derided Deborah Peoples on this podcast multiple times. We're not the biggest fans of Deborah Peoples for various reasons. Particularly for her like union busting tactics when she was working at AT and T, among other things. However, um, compared to Marvin Sutton, she's the better candidate. She's actually it looks like she's been listening to maybe the, you know, further left, further progressive side of the party, and is kind of appealing more to that. So her her campaign for mayor last year when she was running um, didn't really hit these issues as much as she's hitting them now. So her platform is as such. Uh, high quality jobs, invest in education and skilled trades, affordable access to healthcare and affordable housing. So can't really disagree with those things. Not too many specifics in regards to how she's going to achieve these things. But again, compared to Marvin, she's actually giving a lot more information. She also has more of name recognition, whatever that's worth. So those are the two candidates we have, to be honest, I wish we had better candidates. (laughs) running for county judge, but this is what we're working with. So, um, on the spreadsheet, there will be occasionally a yellow, um, cell, and that is essentially us kind of saying we endorse this platform or we endorse this person as a podcast. So if you're needing a cheat sheet again, you know, most of us don't have time to go through and do all this research. So I know a lot of people out there listening are, are looking for a cheat sheet. Uh, I still encourage you guys to use all of the links. Every person's website who has a website is in this spreadsheet. So go check it out and read it for yourself if you're interested in that candidate. Um, we're essentially trying to reduce, you know, all of that information into just a couple of words or, or phrases so we can, you know, have a shorthand for this. But if if someone catches your eye or if, if you're interested in someone's platform, go to that website, uh, go read their whole thing, find out more about them and what they're about and their issues before you actually, you know, go with our endorsement, for instance. So continuing on. Now we have uh, a different office, criminal district judge. uh, Number four is the one that has a Democratic primary. Just real briefly, these district courts and the judges that that are presiding over these courts uh, essentially are looking over felony criminal cases, divorce cases, cases involving title to land, election contest cases, civil matters in which the amount of money or damages involved is $200 or more etc. So we've only got one candidate for this. His name Sam Williams. So we didn't bother looking him up. Good luck, Sam. Uh, there are multiple other Republican criminal district judges that are running uh, for different judgeships, number three, number four and stuff. So uh, as usual here in our location, uh, the Republicans tend to outnumber the Democrats in just about all offices. Uh, and we, that's no different here in the, the criminal district judges. So moving on, we've got the DA, the district attorney for Tarrant County, criminal district attorney. This, Amber's the one that did the research on here, and I really wish she was was here with me um, to kind of explain a little bit more about this stuff. She was actually really interested in this race. Um, Real briefly, the district attorney analyzes and gathers evidence to determine if there are grounds for criminal prosecution of cases within their districts and presents the cases at trial. So this person is a prosecutor for the county. Um, they have the following duties essentially representing the state in prosecuting felony criminal cases, works within the law enforcement officers and in an investigation of criminal cases, presents cases to a grand jury, represents victims of violence and protective orders, and represents the state in removing children from abusive households, among a long list of other things. So we have three people that are running, uh, that are primarying for this office on the Democratic side. Um they are Albert, John Roberts, Lawrence, Larry Myers, and Tiffany D. Burks. And I wish I had, I don't have it in front of me, but the incumbent, uh, the, the f- current DA, the one who's not running again, um, there is some questions as to why she's not running again, whether she was actually being pushed out uh by the by the republican party to to step down for various reasons so there's a really really good and i meant to say this at the top there's a really good fort worth weekly article this week the the cover page and the cover article is a cheat sheet for the election i highly recommend anyone listening right now go check that out we also are going to have a link to that article below in the show notes as usual um go check out that article because there is some information about a lot of these candidates. That was very, very insightful. They did a really good job on this. Um, Ah, here it is. Sharon Wilson is the name of the current DA. Um, So she is gone now. We don't know why exactly she's leaving, but these are the three people that are coming up behind her. So Albert John Roberts is the candidate that Amber highlighted to endorse, and she has written these notes about him. Uh, He is for Structural Reforms of the Tarrant County Criminal Justice System, Tarrant County criminal justice system, which is fantastic because the the criminal justice system, if we don't know here in Tarrant County, is pretty, pretty abysmal. It's bad. Um, it's archaic. It is out of date. It is just a bureaucratic entity that essentially just abuses and destroys people. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'm exaggerating, but not really. Uh, and so continuing on, Albert John Roberts um, is for prosecuting domestic abusers. Uh, which is this has been a, a reoccurring uh, m- like uh, issue that has been popping up. Sharon Wilson also, this was like a primary issue for her. DAs here in Tarrant County like to to run on this on domestic abuse. Um, additionally, he uh, wants to prosecute violent crime, end war on poverty, and end the war on drugs, which is nice to hear someone in law enforcement actually acknowledging that the war on drugs needs to end. That's a good thing. Um, he wants to create a citizen's integrity unit to investigate potential or wrongful convictions, which would be fantastic. Cause there are a lot of wrongful convictions, uh, cite and release marijuana policy. This would be great for undocumented community members as it sidesteps the 287 G, um, which would be great. So I, I mean, I wish he was for just legalizing marijuana, but if you're not going to be for that, which I guess is kind of a, a long shot for a district attorney to be outspoken about something like that. Um, then the next best thing would be a site and release thing. And that is good because if, for the listener, 287G is an agreement between Tarrant County and uh, Fort Worth PD, wherein the police department and the sheriff's department here can act like ICE agents. Uh, And if they come across an undocumented person, they uh, essentially get to turn them over to ICE. Um, And so if we have this site and release thing, then there wouldn't be perhaps um you wouldn't be getting wrapped up in that sort of process he's for actual bail reform isn't for abolishing cash bail um which is what amber and i both advocate for but r- bail reform is still a step in the right direction so that's albert john roberts i would uh, vote for him in, in the primary that would be the person that we would pick the next two Lawrence laurie myers is a, an experienced judge and he's been a judge for 23 years in the high criminal court and his main issue is stopping voter suppression which is great. So that's another thing we see a lot of candidates running on, you know, voting rights and protecting voting rights. Uh, and so Lawrence Larry Myers is is running on that as well. Other issues for him are criminal justice reform, focusing on violent crimes and quote, stop wasting time pursuing marijuana cases. So we got another guy who's you know not worried about prosecuting marijuana cases. Um, he's a champion for criminal justice reform and justice for all, quote unquote. That's what he says about himself. So he seems like a decent pick, too. The third candidate is this woman, Tiffany D. Burks, who I believe has the bigger name recognition, uh, but has a slander campaign running against her that Amber was intrigued about and looked into from an organization called Texas Justice and Public Safety. And they essentially were revealing that Tiffany D. Burks used to be a Republican. She was a Republican since 2006, and she was deputy chief for the current DA, Sharon Wilson. And she, Tiffany, has delayed uh, justice for Tatiana Jefferson. That's a problem. That justice is long overdue. Uh, Her platform includes issues with policing supporting, quote, good officers. So she's part of like the, you know, the bad apple bunch and seeing like bad policing is just a problem with the certain individual police officers, not with the system. Um, she's for using diversion courts. She's for safe communities without over policing, partnering with social services to address homelessness and addiction, and creating an effective and responsible bail system. Uh, but again, no, no mention of getting rid of cash bail. So Tiffany would be our least favorite candidate of the three of those. Uh, again, we support uh, Mr. Albert John Roberts. Moving on County Criminal Court number five, six, seven, and. Uh, just the just five, six, and seven are the ones that are up for uh, the Democratic Party. However, none of these people have uh, competitors or people that they are running against them, so we're just going to keep on moving for the sake of your time and ours. Uh, we've got the district clerk and the county clerk. we got new people running there also running unopposed. These positions are simply uh, record-keeping positions, issuing permits, overseeing elections, and that sort of thing. Now we get to the county commissioners. We have two county commissioners seats that are open in addition to the county judge. So this is three of the five Tarrant County commissioners court seats are up for re-election. So we already talked about county judge with Deborah Peoples. Um, For precinct two, which I don't have the map in front of me, unfortunately, but precinct two um, has two candidates, Ruby Faye Woolridge and Elisa Simmons. And they both had good websites, good platforms. Ruby Faye uh, didn't really have any issues listed on her website, just a bunch of experience and endorsements, which I thought was strange. She's also a current Arlington City Council member. So she's already serving office in Arlington right now, and now she's running for Tarrant County Commissioner's seat. Uh, com- uh, and so it's, to me, it's just weird that like you're already holding a public office. You probably already have issues that you've run on before, but on her current website, like none of those issues are, are listed. It's just like, hey, this is what I've done. So that's always suspicious to me, like as an issues oriented person, like what are you going to do? Uh, and Ruby Faye hasn't said she's really going to do anything. She just says she has all these qualifications. So that leaves us to Alyssa Simmons, who actually had a really good platform. And so hers was she focuses on access to health care, quote, economic parity, which is economic equality, which is nice. Um, I'm, I'm super for that. Uh, she's for affordable housing. She's for improving public safety, which that's kind of vague, but public safety being, being a thing, equitable criminal justice systems. Uh, she's for expanding public transportation and for unfettered access to voting. So, and again, I encourage you to go to all these. If you, someone you like, like maybe miss Elisa Simmons here, uh, go check out her website. She's going to have way more details on those things. But if, if the question is between her or Ruby Faye who has no platform, then we're going to have to pick uh, Miss Simmons here. So go vote for Elisa Simmons for uh, Precinct 2 if you are in Precinct 2. For Precinct 4, we've only got one guy, uh, Cedric D. Uh, oh, I'm going to butcher this. Oh, no. Canienda. I hope that's how you say it. Cedric C. Canienda. Uh, go check out Cedric's website. He is running on a platform for healthcare, public infrastructure, housing, and to lower taxes. So again, so. Just a comment. I haven't been talking about the Republicans much, but the other people running for precinct four is Joe D. Jody Johnson, which you may have seen his signs. They are all over the county. Uh, Mr. Jody D. Jody 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 Johnson is uh he's the son of the current incumbent uh, commissioner for precinct four, J.D. Johnson. And JD has been holding that seat for 39 years. And there are allegations of corruption and misuse of government property and resources during his 39 year tenure. So now he's stepping down. So his son uh, is coming to take his place, which I don't know, man, just like family families running certain sections of the country, whether that be counties or, you know, states or whatever, just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Not really for that, and if okay, Jody's bad. Cool. Well, who else is running for the on the Republican side? Manny Ramirez, uh, the Fort Worth POA Police Officers Association president. That guy who's been very very outspoken and against Black Lives Matter. Um, so not that dude. That dude. That dude's terrible too. So go vote for Cedric, and let's try and get him to win the the real election as well. All right. Now we've got Justice of the Peace. Positions justice of the peace is just like, essentially like a fancy name for a civil court judge. Um, these are the, these are the judges who, you know, sign wedding uh, licenses and do any sort of civil court, not involving the criminal court, you know, issues like that um, often commonly called the people's court. And of all of those races, there's multiple ones. There's only one on the democratic side that has two people running against each other. That would be precinct eight. In Precinct 8, we have Lisa R. Woodward and Stephanie Wilson. Lisa Woodward uh, is the current incumbent and has no info on her at all and has no website. Um, and Stephanie Wilson is the one running up against her. And she her website's pretty sparse as well, but she at least has one. And she is running on lightening up truancy and understanding and recognizing that truancy can be disruptive and, and damaging to certain families uh, based on their you know socioeconomic situations. And she's also for slowing down evictions. So these Justice of the Peace uh, judges would be the ones that would be overseeing you know evictions. So she's coming into that position with a sympathetic perspective and a sympathetic eye, which I think is important right now, considering we're in the middle of an economic crisis and a pandemic. Um, people need compassion when it comes to the the civil court system. So if we had to pick, I would say vote for Stephanie Wilson. That seems that seems pretty nice, um, even though both of these candidates don't have too much information on them. All right, that is that's it for the county level. That actually went a little quicker than I thought it would. I really hope you guys are sticking with me. Um, from my end, this is incredibly boring just to hear my own voice for 25 minutes. I miss having miss having the guys here to shoot some ideas off of. Uh, anyways, thank you listener for for sticking through it. We're gonna keep on moving here to the national offices, national races. Uh, that are going on and this, this, things are getting spicy here. Actually, uh, the national races look pretty interesting. And so we've got, uh, two, uh, U S representatives that are running on the democratic side, two districts essentially that have a healthy race, uh, primary race. So we've got district 12, which man, I really should have that map open in front of me. So I knew where this district was located. Um, Somewhere, some part of it is in Tarrant County. If I, if I had to guess, I think this is like near up near the airport, but I could be wrong about that. Um, district 12. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Now I'm scrolling and mis- losing count. We've got a lot of candidates running uh, for this district, and uh, this was another one that the Fort Worth Weekly article kind of uh, shed some light on in regards to the incumbent and how uh how big they've been in in this seat for a long time so but i don't have that with me right here i apologize so anyways let's go down the list of these dozen or so candidates there were four four that had decent progressive platforms um which is pretty good to have that many out now so that means we've got eight that are like moderates or even like republicans in disguise but uh, it's, it's pretty nice to actually have, have a one in three chance, I suppose, to get a, a progressive in Congress, one from Texas, more or less. Um, so that, that'd be great. So rather than running through all 12 of these, I'm just going to talk about those four that we like. This would be Kathy Fragnoli. Um, and if you want to know more about the rest of them, there's the spreadsheet. Go through it. Um, Kathy Fragnoli, uh, her, her website was good. She was running on uh, the environment and climate change. Uh, social security expansion. This is one I saw a couple times. Which is yes, I'm f- yes. We need to be providing more support through social security, whether that means uh, you know giving a larger payout or more protections through social security, or using the Social Security Act to bolster things such as you know unemployment or disability and those sorts of things. So it would expansion that that would be great. We haven't been hearing people talk about that lately. Uh, LGBTQIA rights. So fantastic. Um, she one thing she had on her platform, which I don't think I saw anywhere else on here, was big pharma and addiction. Uh, she was very concerned with and focused on the power of big pharma and the opioid crisis. So that's great. That's certainly something that is, has still been going on this entire decade. It was you know you're hearing it on the news all the time. Five, six, seven years ago, uh, you don't hear it as much anymore. But that. It's still happening. We still have an epidemic right now that needs addressing. So it's nice that Mrs. Uh, Kathy Fragnoli is, is, is putting that on her radar. Uh, she's also for veterans and mental health issues. Uh, she is advocating for consumer protection and against predatory lending practices and is also for election reform. Now, I, I want to clarify election reform isn't the same as like voting rights. Um, we do see a lot of voting rights, people wanting to protect voting rights or expand voting rights election, election reform would be like getting money out of politics or tightening the regulations or restrictions on, uh, you know, how either PACs or parties, like what they can do during election, who's able to disclose what money, that type of stuff that would be election, election reform. So, and come to think of it, I don't really think I saw that on anyone else's platform on this sheet either. So that's, that's pretty cool. Fragnoli has got a pretty interesting platform here. Uh, another person that we support, uh in in this um district 12 seat is uh Arthur Dixon. Arthur Dixon ha- I think had the most progressive platform that I've seen in the entire election. Uh and then right after him Jessica Mason had a very similar one. So both of these candidates Arthur Dixon or Jessica Mason if either one of these became this the representative uh, in Congress for district 12 like I would be jumping for joy. So Mr. Dixon is running on a platform of universal basic income. So the Andrew Yang platform, the giving, I think, and I have to go back on his website. I believe he was saying $1,000 a month for every American, um, which would, yeah. So we need to probably spend more time talking about UBI. We did kind of when we started this podcast, uh, uh, we talked about it quite frequently. It's something, it's an issue that Amber and I are both passionate about. Uh, So maybe we'll come back and do more of a deep dive on that here in the near future. If you don't know, um, studies are showing essentially, and studies have shown over the past 50, 60 years, plus uh, that universal basic income does help people rather than hurt people. It certainly doesn't hurt the economy, especially if you can't afford it. And a little money goes a long way when you're giving it to people. So again, we are in an economic crisis right now, just in regards to like the one issue I mentioned a second ago, evictions. If we had a universal basic income, uh, people would be able to pay their rent. Uh, And so we wouldn't see as many people displaced. That's important. Okay. Anyways, universal basic income. He's also for a $15 minimum wage. Fantastic. He is for Medicare for all, healthcare for everybody. Fantastic. He is for free community college. Fantastic. He also is for the green new deal and wants us to join the green new deal. So yes, absolutely. Fantastic. And he is also for legalizing marijuana. So, you know, six for six there. Those are all, I just, yeah, that, that dude would be awesome. And he's a young guy too. Um, So yeah, And uh, I've been noticing the legalized marijuana one, I think a lot of these people should like open with that. That should probably be the first thing they put on their platform because there's quite a few of these people that like it's it's like the last thing or the next to last thing that they say. And I don't know if they're trying to, I don't know the reasoning for that. To me, that would be like a a big selling point. Even Beto is now like running on a pro-legalizing marijuana campaign. That's what he's leaning into. So yeah, so Arthur, fantastic. Love it. Uh, and then uh, Jessica Mason is also running for the same seat. And her platform is almost just as amazing, if not more amazing than Mr. Dixon's. She is running on universal health care or Medicare for all. She is running on criminal justice reform, community investment, climate justice, and green jobs, uh, affordable housing. She is unions for all pro unions and not just like being pro union, but unions for everybody, which like, Yes, please. Yes, please um, immigration reform, anti-corruption, economic justice, diplomacy first. So thankfully we got someone coming in there with foreign policy takes. You're going to be in Congress. You're going to have to deal with some foreign policy stuff at the national level. So good. She's for diplomacy first, not wars first. And this lady's a veteran. If I remember correctly, um, I'm like 99% sir, Jessica Mason's a veteran. And then, yeah, she, yeah. And then care for veterans was one of her other primary issues. So yes. Uh, Jessica Mason is fantastic. Her website is like super awesome too. Like, whoever made her website did a really, really good job. They actually got a good eye, you know, for design. Uh, some of these websites are pretty rough. Jessica Mason's good, you know, for what that's worth. Not, not that you necessarily need to vote somebody because of their website, but, you know, uh, appearance is important. So, the after that, the last person for District 4 that we would like to, you know, let you know about is Jane Hope Hamilton. Uh, And Jane Hope Hamilton is running uh, for voting rights, jobs and economy, affordable housing, police reform, Medicare for all, quote, massive reinvestment in public education, which that just makes me feel warm and fuzzy when I see people talking about a massive reinvestment into public education. That would be fantastic as a teacher myself. Um, And she's for seniors. And that's that's another thing. The elderly and the senior population is something that I'm seeing on many, many platforms on this list that people are are wanting to do stuff to, uh, addressing the seniors. And like, here's the deal, like the boomer generation is the, you know, they call it the baby boom because it was like more babies ever had than we've ever had in this country. It was a big population boom, right? Well, now that population is getting old and we are going to need to deal with that as a society, as an, as, and as a country that is going to have economic implications, especially when the generations. Under them, like the Gen Z, I'm sorry, Gen Xers, uh, uh, us millennials and the Gen Z, there's there's less there's less of us. Um, And so and we are not in the financial situation that they were in when they maybe had to take care of their parents or were dealing with that sort of thing with their parents. Um, It's a very different situation. So financially, like we're going to have to figure out what to do with this aging population and how to take care of them. So it's nice to see that Mrs. Jane Hope Hamilton is putting that in her platform as well. Uh, okay, so then the, uh, this this the the next Congress seat that is up for the National Congress, U.S. Congress is is District Thirty Three. This is my district, um, and we've only got two guys running. They both ran last time: um, Mark VC and Carlos Quintanilla. I'm not excited about either of these guys. VC's been in the seat for I don't know a decade now or something, like maybe even longer uh vc is just like your your spare the fair you know you're just standard establishment democrat like there's just always simping for nancy pelosi and trying to get brownie points like taking pictures with her and like going to her events and stuff he's just like it's a big suck up for pelosi which just kind of grosses me out like i get it you got to play the political game or whatever but i wish we had like a real progressive in there and so the, uh, the guy running against him carlos quintanilla is like just not mark vc but he's like not really any better (laughs) their platforms look very similar and they're very vague uh the only thing that was weird to me about quintanilla is that he's like i guess trying to be more hard on crime than vc is i guess he's pro surveillance and like he worded it really weird on his website but like he's for surveilling uh americans and like kind of you know that being a positive thing to protect us from terrorists and protect us from people coming over the border so i don't know i'm getting like you know conservative vibes from that issue or that talking point right and then i don't know vc like i don't know i'm just not impressed with vc as someone who's had him as as his representative for a while now uh so yeah i'm just kind of like whatever like we don't endorse either of these guys uh like i don't know who i guess i'm gonna have to vote for vc again i might just not i might just not vote um and just skip skip that that office because i don't know i'm not excited really about either of them i don't think cantonia's got a chance he like got five percent of the vote last time around in the last primary so i mean if he just gets you know more than five percent that'll be an improvement on his part but i don't know another weird thing that's for for us and i think thomas is is on facebook but for the rest of us, I don't. Maybe Rose is too, but they're, Amber and I are not on Facebook, and so we kind of miss a lot of this. can some of the campaign stuff that these people do? We just don't see it. See their uh, their online presence. So I, 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 unless you know these people are putting themselves out there on that platform, I'm not aware of, of either of these guys putting themselves out there. All right, now we're finishing up. We just got the state offices, and then we'll be we'll be done. So this will be a really short podcast. Uh, Thank you again, listener. I know this one may be a little more dull than some of the other episodes we have. We'll hopefully come back here in a couple weeks with some more spicy conversations and and debates with you guys. All right, governor. So we've talked about this uh, kind of multiple times already this year. Beto, right? Beto work's running. Uh, We've got, you know, Greg Abbott's running again. Greg Abbott's running against, you know, a bunch of other crazy Republicans that are all trying to, you know, vie for who's craziest. Uh, Rick Perry's back on the ballot again for some reason. Like, yeah. So I don't know. The Republican side is going to be interesting in its own right. But in regards to like, who are you going to vote for? And who am I going to vote for? What are we going to do? Like... Kind of with peoples, like we were like, we don't really like Deborah Peoples, but in this race, we think she's the best candidate. It's kind of how I feel about Beto. Like, I don't like Beto. I know Thomas loves Beto. <laughs> Thomas and I kind of don't quite see eye to eye on 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 how we feel about Beto. But uh, he is not leaning on the gun thing anymore. I think he recognizes that was maybe, uh, you know, a failure of his Democratic presidential run. Uh, And now that he's running again for a state office as governor, it's like, man, you said you're going to take people's guns. Like, people aren't going to forget that. So he's not saying that. He's actually come out and said, I'm not going to take your guns. But it's like, you know, once you say that, it's kind of hard to put that genie back in the bottle. But anyways, he is running on uh, power grid, fixing the power grid, having sustainable working power grid, um, which a lot of these people running for Texas offices are. He's running on, quote, fully funded public schools, which that that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy again. Yeah. You can talk about giving schools like all the money they need, all of the schools, all the money they need. Let's not be selective about all that stuff. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, rural investment, which is a big thing, meaning like rural infrastructure that also includes Internet and broadband. Like there are lots of parts of Texas that still don't have, you know, the same equal access that those of us in the city have. And so that's a priority for him as it should be. And that's good. I support that. He's also for legalizing marijuana, and that's probably the most uh, you know, the most exciting thing on Beto's platform. Uh, it's also for protecting voting rights and protecting women's reproductive rights. So that's good, and that's consistent for him. When he was running for senator against Ted Cruz, I got to ask him a question at an event and asked him what was the one policy, one thing he was not willing to budge on. And uh, he said women's reproductive rights then. And so it's nice to see that he's still holding uh, his side of the bargain on that. So besides Beto, we've got a guy Michael Cooper who I guess if I had to have a second pick, it would be this guy. Um he's running on human rights and just by putting it and framing it as human rights on your platform, I think it's pretty based. Like it's not you're not you're just catering to one group of people. That human rights just kind of covers all the bases, right? It covers all, you know, race issues, all LGBTQIA issues. It's just, we're all humans, right? And so we all, we improve everybody's rights. Yeah. I'm about that. Um, He's for criminal justice reform, climate change, education, and and the Texas economy. So kind of generic on everything else. Joy Diaz uh, sucks. Do not vote for Joyce Diaz would be our our recommendation. She is a Republican um, and just only running as a Democrat because she doesn't think she could beat Abbott as a Republican primary, which is probably true, just totally true. She's probably not going to be able to get any hardly any votes for as a Democrat either. She used to work in media. Uh, and we talked about her briefly a couple of episodes ago on the podcast. So she has some connections there and is able to has been able to acquire a lot of media coverage because of it because of it. But her platform is, I don't know, it was weird to me. The very first thing number one on her platform was individual rights, which is a Republican platform issue or talking point when you're when you're concerned about your personal rights over other people's rights. Um, you know, that's a right-wing thing. So that's, that's the first thing on her thing on her list. It goes on and it gets a little better from there. It's criminal justice reform, reproductive rights, infrastructure, you know, that's kind of about it. Uh, so go check her website. If you're actually looking interested in, in the rest of her platform, there is some other stuff that she's for, but I, uh, I wouldn't encourage you to vote for her. The next person is, and I, I don't know how these people, how this happens, but this happens every election for many offices. Uh they just don't do anything once they apply for the, you know, once they register to run. So this guy, uh Inocencio Barientes, also known, I guess Eno is his nickname, Eno Barientes. Uh no information, nothing on him. I couldn't find anything about him, but he's he's running for governor. So so there's that. Uh and then we've got Rich Wakeland. And this guy seemed super conservative as well for a Democrat. Again, running for governor, uh, his issues were quote focus on blue and white collar needs, quote protect protect the oil and gas industry, protect the oil and gas industry. That's what this Democrat is running on. Um, protect all constitutional issues, and then like just to throw a curveball in there, women's reproductive rights. So. This dude's a seems very uh, Joe Manchin-y to me. Um, so that's it. That's all we got for governor. So in that list, you know, of those five people, I think Beto is actually going to be your best bet. I don't know if he's actually going to win or not. I don't know the odds of him actually winning. I think I remember a poll came out this past week where he's still like trailing very far behind uh, Abbott, even though Abbott is widely hated at this point. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Moving on. Lieutenant Governor. Okay, so this one was interesting. And if we don't know, um, I guess I I haven't been doing this for all the offices, so I apologize if you don't know what an office does. Go go look in the spreadsheet. In regards to the Lieutenant Governor, um, the Lieutenant Governor establishes all special and standing committees, appoints all chairpersons and members, and assigns all Senate legislation to the committee of his choice. The Lieutenant Governor decides all questions of parliamentary procedure in the Senate. So this is like is a pretty powerful position. Like you can look at it as the vice president in the US Congress or the Senate, like the vice president's the extra vote if the Senate is deadlocked 50-50, the vice president gets a like a tie-breaking vote. But they also kind of like preside over the Senate and, and you know and and do all of the parliamentary procedure. The lieutenant governor does the same thing. They get to select all the committees, like which committees are going to exist, who's going to be the head of those committees. Um, and like, that is, that is a big power move when you, you know, at least at the congressional level in the U S Congress is what I know more about, but I imagine it's analogous to the, to the state house as well. That's like the whole thing, like bills and laws, when they're being made, they have to pass through committee first before they can then be presented to the floor. And most bills die in committee. Like most bills don't even make it past committee. And it's because of usually who the chairperson of the committee is and how, much political will they have to you know tackle a certain issue so like i mean literally like laws are made or are broken in the committee so being lieutenant governor offers you a lot of power if you've got one in there that's for you know for change and for reform which is typically in texas it's just a bunch of people you know trying to keep things the way that they are or roll back roll them back to the way they used to be even further there's not a lot of like reform going on in texas um, you would need a lieutenant governor who is for that to to essentially make that happen. So we've got three people running for this position. Only one person was appealing to us as a podcast. Um, Mike Collier is the first person. He was saying fund public schools, fix the grid. He's for women women's reproduction right, uh, fight climate change reform, and oh, and reform criminal justice. So Mike Collier seems all right. You know, I didn't have any strong thing to say one one way or the other on him. Uh, Michelle Beckley is the second person running, and she essentially was saying fully fund public schools. She's for free and fair elections and community values. And again, just not, I don't know. I would guess I would be wanting more from somebody. That's still not bad. Those aren't bad things. But I, the third person was the person who jumped up to me. It seemed decent. Her name was Carla Braley. So we endorse Carla Braley. Her issues were education funding and freedom, meaning the freedom for the school districts to decide, uh, which I actually agree with. If we're going to have a, a functioning edu- education system, we can't have the governor essentially dictating what all the schools can and can't do on a whim, uh, which is what's happening now. The schools need to be semi-autonomous. The districts need to be autonomous, which is, which is what they're supposed to be. Um, that's why we have FF. Uh, that's why we have ISDs here in the state. Not every state has ISDs. Um, so. She's also for expanding Medicaid, which is good. I wish she was for Medicare for all, but like the next best thing is the expansion of Medicaid. So, okay, good on that. Uh, Private investment in child and elderly elderly care. So there's that again. Um, So, you know, not private investment, forgive me. Public investment in child and elderly care, meaning spending government money, helping children and helping the elderly. Uh, Yes, please. Uh, $15 minimum wage. There we go. That's the reason I think we really got excited about her is she's the only of these three candidates, the only one who put $15 minimum wage on her platform. She's also for voting rights and she is for some gun restrictions. So, you know, take that as you will. I think we are so far to the right on gun issues here in the state of Texas that you could add for me personally a decent amount of gun restrictions and I would be okay with it because we can, much can just do whatever we want in this state at this point. So, you know, if uh, I'm not for taking guns away by any means. I'm a gun owner myself. But, you know, if you want to extend, you know, the waiting period, for instance, or if you want to do deeper background checks, you know, especially with mental health things, like I'm for that. So that's kind of seemed to be the type of stuff that Carla Braley was for. So if you're okay with that and want a $15 minimum wage as well, then maybe maybe vote for Carla. Next is the Attorney General's office. This is Ken Paxton's office, the crazy, insane, corrupt dude who's got like multiple FBI investigations against him. like this the dude's just we've done more episodes on Ken Paxton than I think anybody. Uh, that's this seat. and so Ken's running again. I don't know like if how <laughs> like if if Ken Paxton wins again, like it's just gonna be really sad for the state. Because like if this guy who has this many things against him is still able to garner enough public support to maintain an office, even though he's obviously like the most corrupt politician that we've had in this state in a very long time, and that is saying a lot, um, then things are going to be bad. So I don't know. Just you know, vote for one of these primary candidates. We've got five running on the Democratic side for Attorney General. Uh, there is one, there's one that we actually support. There's actually one decent one in there. Go vote for Joe Jaworski. That's the guy that we're for. He is for, uh, you know, essentially upholding Obamacare, uh, which is spare that, you know, this, which is par for the course, but he is for legalizing marijuana. He is saying that he will create a civil rights division when it comes to criminal justice, uh, issues, um, he wants local school authority, so there's that again, and he wants to improve and increase voter access. So that seems great. the The second person, I'm not going to read all five of these because there's a couple people that didn't have any information again. Um, Mike Fields is an ex Republican, but there's nothing. He did nothing there. Uh, S. T. Bone Rayner had no website, no information on him. Rochelle Mercedes Garza uh, is a former uh, ACLU attorney which is fantastic. That's a great organization to be coming from. Uh, she's pro-healthcare, pro-voting rights, pro-reproductive rights. So the only thing that made me, she's not for legalizing marijuana. So that's the only thing I was like, eh, I guess Joe, I guess Joe would be the guy. Um, and then Lee Merritt is another candidate who's running, who seems has a you know relatively decent platform, voting rights, public education, women's reproductive rights, uh, fixing the power grid, mental health, and quote, economic empowerment. And so, again, kind of vague stuff. If you want more about Lee's take, you can go to his website. But I think Joe, with the with the legalizing marijuana, is going to take the cake for Attorney General. especially. So, again, Attorney General is the essentially head police officer of the state of Texas. They are the—I'll read from our little thing. Defending the state of Texas and its duly elected laws by providing legal representation to the state, serving the children of Texas through the enforcement of the state's child support laws, securing justice for Texans, protecting Texans from waste, fraud, and abuse, and safeguarding the freedoms of Texans as guaranteed by the United States and Texas constitutions. And that's not what Ken Paxson has done with the office. He's essentially just upheld capital and upheld businesses over people. Moving on, uh, comptroller of public accounts. Yeah, now we're getting into the, like the smaller esoteric offices, but these are, these are important. So comptroller, what do they do? They are the state's cashier. Essentially, they receive, disperse, count, safeguard, and record and allocate and manage and report on the state's cash flow. In addition, this Texas comptroller chairs the state treasury safekeeping trust, which invests, manages, and oversees more than $50 billion in assets. So this is our money person. This is our financier. They're going to be the person that's handling all the state's money. So we want them to be, you know, for using that money for certain issues, right? So we've got three candidates running for this office. Two of them. Are running on pretty decent platforms. We got Janet D. Dudding. Uh, she's for legalizing marijuana, reducing methane emission, broadband as a utility. So yes, yes. Again, that's the that's the rule issue where we got big parts of Texas that don't have broadbands. If we treat it as a utility and can regulate it as a utility, not just you know uh, as a public good rather than just a you know a service that people need to pay for uh, as through a private company, like that would be the way to go pretty much. I'm all for, you know, any of these internet things that we, you know, if we want to, <laughs> I won't get off track. So Janet T. Dudding is for broadband as a utility Medicare expansion and improving teacher compensation. So for that, in addition to her, the other person that's running on a decent platform is Angel Louis Vega or Angel Louis Vega, uh, there for term limits, voting rights. It, it, all I put is economy. I guess I left it pretty big. Uh, women equality, clean energy by 2040. So that was nice to see, not just, Hey, not just, you know, the environment or green new deal or whatever, but like a specific goal, clean energy by 2040 uh, they're for investing in education for veterans, Medicare for all, Medicare for all, Medicare for all, and a lot more. Uh, oh yeah. This dude, I so said at the bottom of this, I put go to website. Cause yeah, this dude had, it wasn't very well organized, but this guy had, a million things on his platform. It just kept going and going and going. Uh, and so really like if I had to pick over Mrs. Dudding or Mr. Vega, I think Mr. Vega, because Mr. Vega is for Medicare for all over, uh, the Medicaid expansion. The expansion is not, you know, not taking it to the next step where it's like free healthcare. It's just, you know, about a million, million and a half more Texans will have access to free healthcare. Um, Angel is just going straight up for straight for Medicare for all. Um, I believe he also was for the legalization of marijuana. If I remember correctly, he like he had a million things on his website. So go check that out. Uh, moving on, Commissioner of the General Land Office. So here's another one of these weird offices. What does this do? They s- primarily serve school children, veterans, and the environment of Texas. This agency does so by preserving our history, maximizing state revenue through innovative administration and through the prudent stewardship of state lands and national resources. So, you know, kind of like the railroad commissioner in a sense, but they're over the land, not just like the resources extracted from the land. Um, we have four people running for this office. Only one, uh, seemed like a really, really good candidate. So the three Michael Lange Jay Kleberg and Sandridge Martinez all had pretty similar platforms. Um, just pretty standard things, you know, three or four things. However, there was one standout candidate and this was Jenny Suh, S U H. And she had a ton of endorsements, which was suspicious to me at first, the way her website was kind of set up. It looked like she only had like some of these other candidates we've mentioned only had endorsements like, look, I've done all these things. I have all these qualifications. Um, However, when you go to the about section for her, that's where she has her platform. And so she listed addressing climate change, specifically promoting more disaster relief. And she had this really weird thing because the commissioner of the general land office does have purview over Texas history or like some purview over it. She has on her platform being for accurate Texas history, specifically in regards to the accurate history of the Alamo, which is not often portrayed or told. Uh, you know, from the state's perspective. So that I thought was really cool as a history person myself. It's like, yes, you're actually for telling the truth about a lot of the stuff about the Alamo. Yeah. So that's cool. She's a, also a former educator. So she had uh, multiple things that she wanted to do to improve education, like specific things. Uh, and she's also, I believe she's also a veteran. So she was for veterans benefits. So Miss uh, uh go check out Jenny Sa. I think she would be the person that would be right for a commissioner of the general land office. And additionally, just get some more representation in there. I don't believe we have really any Asian, uh, uh, you know, representation in our state offices. And on that note, there's actually there. What what office was it? We're getting close to the bottom. Um, there was one office where we did have multiple. Okay, okay, here we go. Here we go. Sorry, I'm, I'm get. I'm I'm swerving, guys. I'm swerving. I'm swerving. Okay, I'm just spinning up and down on the spreadsheet. All right, we're gonna keep on moving. Um, Commissioner of Agriculture is the next spot. And this office is uh, promoting production of agriculture. They promote consumer protection, economic development, and healthy living, which is kind of, you know, it's a weird office, I suppose. Uh, They're over agriculture, but they're wanting that the food and the agriculture that's being produced to be, you know, good for the people. So we've had two people. One, Susan Hayes has no platform. Like She had a website, but she had no platform. Uh, So that was disheartening. And then we had Ed Ierson who of the two would be the one that we would say hey vote for vote for ed he was for well-rounded school meals equitable internet access there we go again equitable internet access talking about rural broadband you know in, in implicitly uh and then promoting agricultural jobs so you know that compared to no platform seems simple enough we have the railroad commissioner luke warfords running unopposed so we're just going to continue on past that if you need to know the railroad commissioner's job. You can read that in the spreadsheet. We'll come back to that in the real election. Now the uh, state board of education. So here we go. This office is super important and no one votes, you know, no one votes in these primary elections anyways, but these offices don't get a lot of, of traction. These are the people who write our textbooks or let me say that again. We we uh, it, private companies write our textbooks, but these are the people that purchase those textbooks <laughs> with state money and decide essentially what our curriculum is as teachers and as educators, like what we're supposed to cover, what we're not supposed to cover, what is on the star test and what is not on the star test. Um, should there even be a star test or not? OK, that's what these people do. The State Board of Education is the board that kind of makes all of these decisions. Uh, and so we've got two districts in Tarrant County that are up for election district 11 and district 13 district 11 has a interesting candidate that we recognize here on the podcast. Mr. DC Caldwell, who ran for mayor last year, and he's one of the few people that we wrote out to a questionnaire, uh, to ask them questions about their campaign. And DC is like one of, I think two people that actually wrote us back and answered the questions, Uh, So we remember Mr. Caldwell very well. He is now not running for mayor, but for state board of education. However, just like last time, he has no platform. (laughs) So unfortunately uh, we can't endorse Mr. Caldwell, even though we do have a nice cordial relationship with him because we don't know what he's running on or what he would do in the office. Kind of like how he was with mayor. So, uh you know good luck with that dc however luis miguel luis miguel um does have a platform and this would be the person that of the three that we would support luis has on his platform uh accurate social studies curriculum so again like being truthful about history is the way that i read that um concerns regarding students of color and the pandemic's effects on their education because the pandemic has affected all students but has defected students of color disproportionately. And that's an issue he's concerned about as he should be. Um, He's also for skills and trades alignment, essentially like getting the schools to be better prepared and better equipped for, you know, aligning with trade schools. um, And, and, and having a pipeline for that as well as college, which is great and more support for teachers, i.e. more funding for teachers. So yeah, that, yeah, uh, I'm all for that. So Luis, I think you, you got my vote there. The third guy is James Whitfield. And this dude is not actually running. I was so disappointed. If you recognize the name, James Whitfield, we spoke about him, I believe, at the end of the year last year. He was the former uh, African-American Colleyville principal who was fired for being, quote, pro-CRT, even though he wasn't. Um, He was just black. So when I saw that he was running for State Board of Education, I got really excited. However, he dropped out of the race a few weeks after he announced his candidacy. So he's not actually running anymore. And I guess technically maybe he's still on the ballot because he filed, but he's not actively, you know, pursuing that office. So it's very unlikely that James will win. And again, I don't know what he's running on since he's not running anymore. So I can't encourage you to vote for somebody that's not running, but that would have been that would have been interesting as well. So, oh. And I am looking on the right-hand side of the the spreadsheet. D.C. Caldwell is also running as a Republican. I didn't know that you could uh, file for both offices and run as a Republican and as a Democrat. That's interesting. I don't think that's a typo. Um, Okay. (laughs) Okay, this guy just gets more peculiar every time we talk about him. Anyways uh district 13 has no one running against her Aisha Davis who is is my uh uh state board of education representative she seems pretty good she opposes charter schools and is pro diversity doesn't have a lot on her platform but she's not running against anybody so i mean i guess we'll we'll talk about her again later when she's running against a uh, you know a republican um now we've got state senators we're almost done guys almost there we've got state senators um And state representatives for the state of Texas, most of these are running unopposed. However, there's two. I'm now noticing that I missed one. There's a third race in District 12. Francine Lee and Ferdy Mongo, I apologize. We did not do your data. We did not look up your information before before recording, so I apologize about that. However, besides that, we've got state rep for District 92 and we've got state rep for District 97. Those two districts have multiple people running. Um, in 92, we've got Tracy Scott, Dinesh Sharma, and Salman Bojani. And these all three seem like pretty interesting candidates. Tracy Scott had the least on her website. She was for voting rights, education, and access to healthcare. My favorite, though, and the one that if I was in District 92... Uh, would vote for Dinesh Sharma. Dinesh on his website has a really cool website. Uh, Also, he had listed these things. Women's reproductive rights, affordable health care, and expanding Medicaid, legalizing marijuana, a quote, living minimum wage, uh, fixing the grid, housing and renters rights, education, voting rights. He's pro-union. He's for criminal justice reform and LGBTQIA rights. So kind of checking all the boxes there. Uh, The third candidate, Mr. Salman Bojani, um, had a lot of stuff on his too, but it was like just focused slightly differently. So his was, quote, defending democracy, which I guess is voting rights. Uh, Strong public schools. So, you know, reinvesting in public schools. Economic growth and jobs. A healthier Texas. Strong public safety. Climate change and environment. Equality and civil rights. And protecting children. But there was like, I don't know, I felt like Mr. Bojani's website was a lot of platitudes and a lot of vagaries, not as much uh, specifics in regards to like what about those issues was he what was he going to do about them, You know, but Dinesh and Dinesh Sharma's website, I felt like provided more information on on that. So that's the person that I'm going to say, hey, vote for Sharma. Uh, and then the only other state rep office was 97 district 97. And the, there's two people in that one. And one of them doesn't have a website. So Lauren M- McLaren had a ballotpedia, but no page. And then Christopher Rector. Now I think, and I could be wrong because I, I haven't gone back and checked. I think this is the guy who was running for mayor last year. And he was an author and was, and, and, Rose covered him and talked about him and spoke about like his book and he had like written like erotic novels or something. And we kind of like didn't dislike him, but we kind of made fun of him a little bit on the podcast. We we're just like, who's this guy? If this is the same guy, cause I could be wrong. Uh, he has totally revamped his, his uh, political image. None of that stuff was there. He had a real website this time. He had a real platform. It wasn't just like his Amazon book link. Um, and it seemed to be decent issues. And so I'm, I'm second guessing myself. I'm wondering, is this even the same guy? It kind of looked like him in the picture. And I'm pretty sure Rector, like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure this is the guy. But now his, his, this is his platform, which was some good stuff. Legalizing marijuana, uh, voting rights, gun safety, power grid. He's pro-choice and he's LGBTQIA rights. And compared to what I thought he was, essentially like a centrist or a conservative uh, when he was running for mayor, As a state rep, it almost seems like not the same person, which is why I say I could be wrong and it might actually be a different person. Either way, if you're in District 97, between Lauren McLaurin, who's got no info on her, and Mr. Christopher Rector, who's got some decent stuff on his platform, I would vote for him. So vote for Rector if you're in District 97. Everyone else is running unopposed, so we'll talk about them later. And this is the last... That's it. This is it. I'm not going to bother you guys with the Second Court of Appeals District place three justice, because again, all of these justices, the bottom of the spreadsheet, they're all running on a post. So that is it guys. Wow. That was a little over an hour. That's a long time to just be doing what I'm doing. So if you've made it here to the end of the podcast, I appreciate your time, uh, and your, and your research, you are a dedicated voter, and I hope you feel slightly more informed than you were before you listened to this. Again, go down below, click on all the links, research the candidates that you vibed with the ones that you you know dug the most uh go read their information double check and triple check that you still vibe with them before you go vote i would recommend making a little a little you know jot down on a, on a note card or a post-it note or something before you go the names of the people that you want to vote for so when you do get to the voting booth sometime this week hopefully you're early voting um you know you can just do that rather quickly one other thing before i get off with you guys um don't vote by mail not this election. Uh, I I wish I could encourage that, and and you know it would work out. But I, I am seeing so many stories about people's ballots being rejected uh, because of the new restrictions on voting by mail. That it's just not worth it unless you can't vote any other way. If if you have to have that accommodation, then I understand. But I would triple and quadruple you know check everything before you submit it. One uh, I'm noticing. You know, people's things are being rejected for all sorts of ridiculous reasons. Uh, address, you know, old addresses or what precinct you initially like registered in or like all sorts of weird different things as, as to, you know, what Republicans essentially who made these new voting restriction laws last August. Um, it's just making it really hard to, to get a vote by mail ballot to be accepted. So if at all possible, vote this week. So you can go ahead and get your vote in early and not have to, you know, perhaps maybe wait in lines uh, on Election Day, which, again, is March 1st. So thank you again. This is the Fort Worth Freedom Review. We love you guys. My name is Anthony Sosa. I guess I'll read the last part of my, what, I'm supposed to, what I'm supposed to read. I'll read, the, read here at the end. This podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. You can sign up for our newsletter and get updates on Fort Worth political news and deep dives into local issues at our website, justicereform.net. Feel free to contact us if you have any episode ideas or additional stories you would like us to cover. Hit us up on Twitter at fw review and on Instagram at Fort Worth Freedom Review or send us a Gmail at fwfreedomreview at gmail.com. Thanks, guys, and have a great day.